All right, again, welcome to Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and if you haven't already, we would love for you to check in. So those of you that are here, you can use your check-in card. You can also use the app. And if you're watching online, we would love to be able to know that you are checking in online. So please go to the app or go to cornerstonenh.org slash here. Hit that check-in button and let us know you're here. At Cornerstone, our goal is to inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly because we know that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And at this season, we also know that following Jesus makes Christmas better as well. And there are a couple of things I just want to highlight before we get into the message about what we are doing to make Christmas better this year. Number one, we are starting a new series today, a Christmas series called Included that will go up into Christmas Eve. And we are also going to have a Christmas Eve service, if you haven't already heard, upstairs. We're going to be combining with United Baptist, so we'll be in the main sanctuary. We're going to have Christmas carols. We're going to have candlelight. And I'm going to do the message, uh, and we are going to collaborate with United Baptist Congregation and leadership to do that. Uh, we also, we haven't really talked about this too much, but every year we do a give it away offering where we take up a Christmas offering and we give it entirely away. We usually pick three different organizations, one local, one regional, and one that is international, and just find somebody somewhere who is doing good, and we give that offering away to them. So that is now in the funds. When you go to make a contribution online, just pull down the funds, and you will see the Give It Away Christmas offering, and we'll be collecting that through the Christmas season to give away just to be a blessing to our community, to our region, and to our world. So that's what we're doing for Christmas. And in order to kind of set the stage for what we're talking about today, I'm going to read some selected passages from the New Testament Gospels about the Christmas story. Now, because I'm going to be jumping around quite a bit, uh, you might want to just listen along, but these are, some of it will be a little bit familiar, some of it you might not have uh, thought of as the Christmas story, or they're kind of obscure parts of the Christmas story, but overall, these all tie in to this theme of Christmas and what we're going to be talking today about today as we begin the Included series. So let's start in the introduction to John. Now, most of the time people don't turn to John when they're going to read the Christmas story, but his introduction to the gospel is an introduction to the story of Jesus. So let's read it together. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and then I'm going to skip down to 10 to 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, God created everything through him, and nothing that was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Down to verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. 
But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, skipping back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, just the first two verses. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, where we usually turn for the story of Christmas in the Gospels to Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapters 1 and 2. First, from chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And then in chapter 2, beginning at verse 8 and skipping around a bit. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Skip down to verse 22. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Continuing with verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, 
Now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now beginning at verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and thank you, Lord, that you have preserved it for us and that we can revisit it, that we have it accessible and available to us. Lord, in addition to that, we know that we also have your Holy Spirit, the one who authored and inspired your word, who is living, active, and present with us today. So I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every one of us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that each one of us would hear exactly what we need to hear from what we read and study today, and that you would show us exactly what we need to do with what we hear today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to do this series called Included because that is the theme that uh, has really struck me this year as I have studied the Christmas story. If you look at your check-in card, you will see that along the bottom, there are a list of next steps that we have identified. And our hope is that every person who's at Cornerstone will continue to move forward with these next steps. And the last one that you see there is that word include. And what we've said there is that if you're going to be a part of Cornerstone, that means that we are going to be constantly including others regularly. Uh, whatever we are doing, whatever we are about, our goal and our aim and our hope is to include others in what we're doing and what God is doing in our midst. Uh, you might remember if you were here for the previous series when we studied through Titus that one of those messages was called ABC Jesus, which I uh, abbreviated and kind of finagled a little bit to make that always be cluding, <laughs> that Jesus is always including others, and we as his followers are going to be doing the same thing. In the, the, the common thread through all of those different aspects of the Christmas story that I just read to you was that even in his birth, even in the Christmas story, Jesus was always including others, people who were outsiders and outliers. And that's the question that we're going to look at and answer today, is how does Jesus treat outsiders and outliers? And there are two reasons why this is an important question. Number one, all of us at one time or another have probably been outsiders and outliers. 
There have been parties that we were not invited to, circles that we were not included in, messages and, and secrets or, uh, or uh, stories that skipped us by. And we all know how it feels to be excluded, to be on the outside, to not be included. And the question can come up, well, what is God like when it comes to including others, outsiders and outliers, in his family and in his kingdom? So how does Jesus treat outsiders and outliers because all of us are going to find ourselves in that state spiritually as well? And then the other reason that it's important is if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are going to want to treat outsiders and outliers in the same way that Jesus did. Now, if you're not following Jesus, I guess you're kind of on your own, and it doesn't really matter how you treat outsiders or insiders as far as he's concerned. But if you are following Jesus, that means we are supposed to walk in his steps, be his literal body in the world today, his arms, his legs, his feet, his mouthpiece to our world. So it's important for us to know how Jesus treated outsiders and outliers so that we can mirror that so that we can image God effectively and accurately to the world. So let me grab a little passage from that introduction to the Gospel of John to kind of give you the overall theme. It says, But to all who believed him and accepted his, him, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's John 1.12. Now, the interesting thing there is, number one, the 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 broad stroke. It's to all who believed and accepted him. So the, the, the meaning, as you may have heard before, of believe is not just intellectual assent. The word trust, faith, and belief are all the same word in the Greek New Testament. So wherever you see those words, that's all just one word and one concept to a biblical mindset. So when it says to all who believed him, it means putting their trust in him. It means putting their faith in him. To those who received or accepted him. That's the first of those next steps that you see on the card. Saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to him as savior. Saying yes to him as Lord. He's the boss. He gets to call the shot. So that's what that means. To all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. But what I also want you to notice there is that it is not automatic. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, we're all the children of God. And I know what they mean by that. We are all created in God's image. But we are not all children of God. And in fact, Jesus, remember in the video, the picture of Jesus, this little black cloud over his head. I love that part where he's giving, giving it to the, the Pharisees and the hypocrites of his day. Well, he would say to them, you are sons of your father, the devil. You're liars and murderers. So it's not automatic that we are children of God, but it is possible for us to become children of God. Now, in the verses preceding that, it explains that he, Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. So it's like he's the creator, 
he comes into the world he created, you would think that they would recognize him, but they didn't. And then it goes even further and says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. So it's possible to be created in God's image, but to reject God's provision for salvation, for rescue, for redemption, for forgiveness. And that's what happened. He came to his own people, the people that should have known what, who he was, should have been most eager to receive him, and they rejected him. So l- this message is called Outsiders and Outliers. Who are the people who are on the outside? Who are the outliers? And how can they be included in God's family and God's kingdom? So today, if you wanted to sum up what we're talking about, we're talking about the idea of including. And the bottom line for today is this. Oops, wrong button. If you are taking, mess, if you are taking notes, Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers. Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers. And so the next step that we're highlighting is that idea of including and the practical application, the practical step that I'm going to encourage you to take is to include others you normally wouldn't include because that's what Jesus did for us and that's what we, if we're going to reflect Jesus to the world, need to be doing with others. So the, if you're taking notes, which I hope that you will, we're going to do things a little bit differently. There aren't like fill in the blank uh, points, but we're going to look at the different scenes from the Christmas story that I read. And I want you to note who are the outsiders and outliers and why. And I'll help walk you through that. So first off, we looked in Matthew at the Magi, the wise men, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, this is the ultimate insider place, right? It's in Bethlehem, which is where the Messiah was prophesied to be born. It's in Judea. It's in the kingdom of the people of God during the reign of King Herod. So those are all the insiders. But yet, this is an introduction to a story of people who were outsiders, About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? So these were not Jews. These were Gentiles, outsiders. These were the people who didn't speak the same language, probably, who dressed differently, who believed differently, who spoke differently. They were the ones that would stand out in a crowd. Wise men, they were probably scholars. Uh, The idea of kings comes from uh, Old Testament prophecy that's kind of read into this. They may have been kings, but they uh, sometimes you will see magi. That's the literal word that is used there. Those were generally astrologers or people who studied the stars. And we know, of course, that it is their study of the sky that brought them to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. But these were the absolute outsiders. So you think about in our world, it's a pretty easy comparison. There are people that we encounter that speak differently, 
dress differently, have a different set of beliefs, are from a different part of the world, that it's not necessarily an easy fit. So how do we, as the body of Christ, treat people who are different from us, dress differently, speak differently, believe differently than us? The Gospel of Matthew was the gospel that was written to the insiders, to the Jews. But yet throughout the gospel, beginning in the very first chapter, the, the author, Matthew, is preparing his people to recognize that God has opened up salvation, opened up acceptance, opened up entrance into the very kingdom of God and family of God, to all the outsiders that they probably would exclude. So if you're taking notes, you'll see that under each section of the scriptures, there's just a big long line. And that's for you to write. Who, who are the outsiders and outliers? Well, you can write. It's foreigners. It's people who speak a different language, people who look differently, dress differently, however you want to put that. That's the first set of outsiders that Jesus welcomes in, even in his birth story, because Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers. The next passage I wrote, read was the story of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. A couple of things I want you to notice about this. Angel, the angel Gabriel, who is... Uh, one of the few named angels in the scripture, so he's probably pretty important, goes to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. This is a very small town, and it's in the outskirts of the nation of Israel. Uh, it's in the northern section. Jerusalem, the center of the nation's life, is in the south. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So, a couple of things about Mary. Of course, obviously, she is a woman. She's actually a young girl, probably in her teens. That's when they would get married at that time. She is pledged to be married at that time, so she is a young woman, and she is in the outskirts, in the, uh, the backwoods of her nation. Now, Gabriel appears to her, and among the things that he says is this, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you you. Now, you may remember if you were here in the past couple of weeks when we were going through Titus, I gave you this, this uh, formula for applying the scriptures, ROI, and it's not return on investment, it's recognize, observe, and identify. Let me just revisit that. Uh, recognizing the original context, what was life like in the scripture that we're looking at? Well, for women, for young women, unmarried women, they were low on the power structure. They did not have a lot of rights. They did not have a lot of power. They were at the mercy of the men in their lives. Observing the biblical prescription, what does God do with this young woman who lives on the outskirts who is powerless, who is young, he says through his angel, greetings, favored woman. God is with you. 
There's no greater honor that he could have given to this young woman. Now, when it comes to us, I've noticed that very often we can treat young people as less than. We don't, we don't give them respect. I know that it was hard for me as my five children were growing up, especially the, the older ones, because that was the first time I had done that, to see them from about the age of 12 to about the age of 16 or 17, they go through such dramatic change. And for them, that's like half their life. For us, that's just like a little blip. And so I remember having a conversation with my older kids saying, you gotta, you gotta be patient with mom and dad because we're used to thinking of you as little, but now you're getting big and, and it takes us a while to catch up. One of the things that we can do to reflect our father's heart to the people around us is to treat young people with respect. Now, certainly they are growing, certainly they are gaining in their knowledge, but we treat them with respect respect. We treat young women with respect. We treat women with respect. And that was what that, a lot of that message was all about, to see how the original context of the scriptures, uh, where, where that, those formulas were given, those instructions were given, was a horrible situation for women. And the biblical prescription, what you see happening is God giving honor and respect and so you're supposed to draw the line from point A to point B to point C. How should we ultimately be treating one another? That's how we should look at it. So uh, who, you're drawing a line there. So who? Uh, it's people who are young. We sometimes tend to exclude them or not give them the respect that they are due. Uh, sometimes because of sex, we separate out and we have prejudices and that's not acceptable because we see God treating people with honor and respect because Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers who's who, who's next uh, this is a simple one just one verse the night that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep now, we wouldn't know this because we're not first century uh, people living in Judea, but the shepherds were, that was not exactly what you hoped your son or daughter would grow up to be. Uh, no disrespect for people who have dirty jobs, but this would be the dirty jobs. These would be the, the ditch diggers or the trash collectors. Again, honorable professions, but we don't usually think of them as, as, as prestigious. Well, shepherds were kind of the same way. They were the ones that were out hanging out with the sheep and they probably smelled like the sheep and they always had the sheep with them. I, I love the picture of the angels appearing to them and them coming into the town of Bethlehem looking for the baby in the manger. Now, they were responsible for their sheep. That was why they were out in the fields that night. So they're not going to leave their flocks in the field. So can you imagine you've got these shepherds and they're like, hey, we know this great story. We know we, we've been told this great news. Let's go, let's go find the baby. 
well, what are we going to do with the sheep? Well, we can't leave them here. We've got to take them with us. So in the middle of the night, you see these flocks of sheep with all of the noise and the smell and everything associated with that coming into the town looking for this baby in the manger that the angels told them about. Can you just imagine the response that they would have gotten? So if you're drawing that line and looking, well, who are these people? These are the people that don't have the same social status as you do, that might have a job that tends to be looked down upon, and yet they are the ones that God deems worthy of the angelic announcement and the choirs of angels to announce the birth of his son. Why? Because Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers. Who are the other outliers? Well, this one might not be as obvious, but in the story of Jesus being brought to the temple to be dedicated, it says that Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple, so they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. But that isn't actually the primary prescription for that sacrifice. If you go back to the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, where <clears throat> this is talked about, it says this. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, so a new son or daughter is born, and there's a certain time period before you offer the sacrifice to dedicate the child at the temple. The woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or turtle dove for a purification offering. So notice what it says there. It's not two birds. It's a lamb and a bird. Now, a lamb was expensive. It, most of your wealth was probably tied up in your flocks. So it goes on to say, if a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what do we learn about Mary and Joseph's status through this? Well, they were not well healed. They were not well resourced. They were probably under-resourced. They were among the poor because they're offering the secondary alternative sacrifice, the one that doesn't quite cost so much. So again, if you're taking notes, you want to write on that line, what are we writing? We're writing people who are poor or under-resourced. These are the outsiders and outliers. They were <coughs> among those who Jesus was always including, the outsiders and outliers. Thanks. <coughs> Lastly, there were these two last ones that were mentioned in the story. They don't often figure into the story very prominently. There are usually figurines of these people in your nativity set. But there's still nevertheless very important. Uh, Simeon and Anna. 
It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, talking about Simeon, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So this is as a person who is very honored. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He had been given a special revelation that he was not going to die. Now, never does it say that he is an older person, but we can kind of infer that because the kind of the inference there is he's hanging on towards the end and God's told him, hang in there. You're not going to die until you have seen the Lord's anointed. Maybe he was young and sick. Who knows? But either way, that's going to be another outlier, an older person or a sick person. Now, Anna, there's no doubt about it. It says Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple and she was very old. So there's no question about that. We have people who are old. Now, what, what I have noticed sometimes is that sometimes there is this idea of there is this tendency to infantilize, to treat like infants, people who are older, to just assume that they don't, they don't know as much and they're not up to date with what's going on, and so you treat them like a child. This really bothers me, and I don't think that it honestly reflects the heart of God because here, even in the nativity story, we see these older seasoned saints being treated with honor, being included, even though in their world too, they would have been outsiders and outliers. So if you're putting, making your list, it's the people who are old, the people who are infirm, the people who are, you know, maybe a little bit further down the road than you are, maybe don't have the same physical strength that you, that they once had, don't have the same health and mobility that they once had, but yet God includes them in the story. He makes those outsiders and outliers insiders. So what does that mean for us? <clears throat> well, if we are going to accurately reflect Jesus to the world, then that list of outsiders and outliers that you made, we are going to treat them with honor and respect. We are going to include people <clears throat> that others might exclude. And that is really good news for us because ultimately, we are outsiders that God has decided to include. Uh, I have two favorite uh, hymns or carols, Christmas carols, that I, I love to hear around this time of year. <clears throat> one of them, uh, and they're both kind of obscure, well, not necessarily obscure, but this one is a little bit obscure. It's called, I Wonder As I Wander. Anybody heard that one? You're familiar with that one? This is, this is the first verse of it. I wonder as I wander out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor, ornery people like you and like I. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. Now, What's so great about that? <clears throat> uh, number one, I love the use of ornery. <laughs> it's not a word that you hear too often, but uh, sometimes it just fits. It, it means combative. It means difficult. It means argumentative. Some people are just ornery, right? And I love that the, the author of this says, 
It, he came for poor, ornery people like you and like I. And, and who traded, who was traded for those ornery people? Jesus, the Savior. We were the ultimate outsiders. We were so unlike Jesus. And yet he came for to die for poor, ornery people like you and like I. Now this week, as I was looking this up, I actually learned the story behind this, uh, this song, and I think you'll, you'll like it. It actually uh, was gathered from uh, a person who was collecting stories, uh, uh, collecting songs from mountain people in the Appalachians. Uh, it says this, I wonder as I wander grew out of three lines of music sung for me. This is uh, Jacob, John Jacob Niles, who's the one who collected this song and, and added to it. Sung for me by a girl who called herself Annie Morgan. The place was Murphy, North Carolina, and the time was July 1933. You'll love this, her, her family. The Morgan family, revivalist all, that means they would travel around and they would pitch a tent maybe and preach and try to get people to, to follow Jesus, were about to be ejected by the police after having camped in the town square for some time, cooking, washing, hanging their wash from the Confederate monument, and generally conducting themselves in such a way as to be classed a public nuisance. Preacher Morgan and his wife pled poverty. They had to hold one more meeting in order to take up an offering and buy enough gas to get out of town. It was then that Annie Morgan came out, a tussled, unwashed blonde and very lovely. She sang the first three lines of the verse, I wonder as I wander. At 25 cents a performance, he paid her 25 cents to keep singing the song until he got it memorized and, and caught the tune. I tried to get her to sing all the song. After eight tries, all of which are carefully recorded in my notes, I had only three lines of verse, a garbled fragment of melodic material, and a magnificent idea. With the writing of additional verses and the development of the original melodic material, I wonder as I wander came into being. So I love how the poor ornery people was definitely autobiographical in this case. And those kinds of nuisances, outsiders, outliers are the kinds of people that Jesus welcomes in to his family. Because as 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth said, For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Just another way of putting what that girl put into those lines. Jesus the Savior for poor, ornery people like you and like I. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Because Jesus was always including outsiders and outliers. So how do we practically apply that? Number one, God has done everything possible for you to be included in his family, so don't pass up the opportunity to say yes. What are you saying yes to? You're saying yes to his forgiveness that he purchased for us on the cross. You're saying yes to his lordship, to his authority, that he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots. And if you are doing this for the first time, especially, we would love to be able to know that. 
go to the app or to that website form and mark that box so that we can know that, so that we can encourage and celebrate what you have done. And then notice that it says to, uh, that Jesus, before he left, said to go and make disciples of all the nations. We've talked before how nations is not nation states. It means tribes. It means different groups of people. And we've talked about the different outsiders and outliers, those tribes of people that are not a part of our tribe that God has made a way to include. So we, as we make disciples, what are we doing? Well, we're including, we're extending that invitation to say yes to Jesus. And so my challenge for you is to practically apply that, especially at this season, in uh, this time of year. Include others you normally wouldn't include. So what are you doing? You might be making Christmas cookies. You might be going to a tree lighting. You might be coming to church. You might be going to Christmas Eve service. You might be having a party at your home. Think about and let the Lord challenge you and speak to you about who can you include? People that you wouldn't normally include, people that maybe aren't a part of your tribe, but Jesus was constantly including outsiders and outliers, and he probably wants us to do the same. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you made it a point to include outsiders and outliers because we are all in that category when it comes to you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son. Thank you, Lord, from the very beginning showing us that you have a heart for and welcome the outsider and the outlier. And may we, especially those who call you our Savior, who call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, may we do the same. Show us each how we can and should apply what we've heard today, and then give us the courage and initiative to act on it so that others who you want to include might be included in your family and in what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.